Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. I am so congested right now. All this dust, I can't breathe. Dust? You've yeah. just been like lounging in the sun every day. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Living the life <laughs> on leave. So dumb. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Brian. I'm Shane. And you're listening to Fruit Snacks. Honestly, I wish I was living the life right now. <laughs> Just to keep you guys in the in the know. Uh, as you guys know, I work at a gym in LA called Pride, which is like a cheerleading gym. Well, we just decided it's like a to... gay cheerleading gym. <laughs> a gay cheerleading gym. <laughs> there are gay people part of it. Um, and every coach is gay, pretty much. All the guys are gay. Well, <laughs> except for one. And one of the girls is lesbian. Anyways. Um, well, they met him. Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. Um, lesbian. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, we just opened an OC location and we had to like demo a ton of walls and Shane helped out. So thank you. Mm-hmm. But it's like dusty as all hell in there. Yeah, it's rough. And it's hot. So I can't like. I couldn't imagine being there today. Today hit over 90. Over the weekend, we had like nice breezes the whole weekend. Uh-huh. It like I wasn't. I was hot because we were working, but I wasn't like, fuck, it's so hot. I I'm going to be honest. It actually holds its temperature pretty well. Oh, that's good. When we were inside the building, it wasn't warm. When we stepped outside to do stuff on the outside, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm dying. I'm sure it also helps that you have like so many doors all over. Well, we closed them because it was blowing hot air in. We were like, oh, oh. this is not working for us. Hmm. Um, Must be those fans I put together on the, on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you guys, if I sound tired, it's because I am. <laughs> so that's disclaimer number one. And disclaimer number two, it's really hot in the studio right now. So we do have windows open. And the disclaimer number three... During the interview later in Fresh Fruit segment, there might be um, sound things going on in the background. And we did a remote interview from Long Beach to Dublin. So the sound quality is going to be a little bit off. But, you know, with coronavirus and the lack of travel, we are making do with what we have. So, girl, what you got for us this fruit roll-up? Okay, so... um like a week ago, I was scrolling through. Whenever I poop, I just scroll through Daily Mail to read, like, I almost said shit stories, no pun intended. Um, but just like mindless stories that I can kind of. That you would know, be a good news, like. Through. Shit stories? Yeah. yeah like, it would be. I like would, stuff I would, to just read. Yeah, I would read through that. Um, anyway, so I'm like sifting through stories and um, I come across this story about a YouTuber, uh, a YouTube vlogger, um, somebody I don't know. Uh, and the story like instantly caught my attention and i thought that it was like worth talking about okay get so there faster the vlog you're just tired i need you to put that aside <laughs> yes hurry up so we can get this moving <laughs> so the vlogger's name is uh micah stoffer uh-huh. and it's her and her husband who typically make videos together um they have four biological kids and they adopted a son huxley back in october of 2017 so two weeks ago, they came out with a video announcing to their fans, viewers alike, um, that they decided to give Huxley back based on medical needs that were not described to them and that reached beyond their means, uh-huh. if you will. Um, so the reason that this story was posted on Daily Mail is because Kate Hudson's Fabletics 
came out with a statement about dropping her as a sponsorship Got it. kind of thing. Um, so I was reading through, and it seems like it's more than Fabletics. It comes down to companies like Playtex, Baby, Chili's, Animals, Big Lots, Suave, um, Fabletics, and then even Mattel's Barbie brand. Damn, she was like she was getting banked. Yeah, from a lot she of was like doing then. really well, and they've all since separated with her. Damn. Um, so people have tried like writing on Twitter to these specific companies, like, "Where do you stand with this?" Sort of as like backlash. Yeah, and they're like. We haven't partnered with her since whatever month of whatever year, and we have no plans on moving forward with any projects. Blah, blah, Dang. blah. Um, so here's my thing. Apparently, Huxley, um, apart from just having autism, had other special needs that he needed tended to. Um, and there was even a quote where she sort of hinted along the lines that it was almost like a danger to her other kids to have him in the house. Uh-huh. So she was like in an effort with Huxley. She kept making it sound like a, like a joint decision, yeah. but she was like with Huxley, they've sent, they had essentially like rehomed him with somebody who was better well-equipped. Well, with autism, correct me if I'm wrong. You can't, find out if a child has autism until they're more developed right i believe so because it's a behavioral so is that why at a certain point she's like oh this is something I yeah can't deal and, with. and it and i you know i'm not speaking as like a doctor but in the experience that i've had with autistic kids it also comes down to like a communication barrier um like a behavioral kind of I thing see. where it's it's almost like an awkwardness like they don't really know how to interact as seamlessly as maybe other kids do well yeah because i i feel like it is like Yes. Yes. Short um, and yes. <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because I feel like oftentimes I've had conversations about, and I've heard other people say along something along the lines of people should literally have to get tested to have kids. Uh-huh. Um, and that comes from the idea that a lot of parents these days, I feel like love the idea of having a kid, but get themselves into these predicaments and these situations and these yeah. lifestyles that he that they like can't necessarily um what's the word i'm like looking for um they can't maintain that they can't like like, nurture or supply a good life or home yeah so here's the thing huxley was like three or four when they got when they gave him up essentially um he came from china and personally i think i'm taking an unpopular opinion here and saying i think that she made the right decision okay what do you think I mean, autism or not, I fucking hate kids. So, like, <laughs> give them all back. Like, if you had a child, fucking give that shit away. That's what I would do. Um, but, I mean, th- I guess in all seriousness. Um, I feel like w- the intention seems well-intended. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like she acknowledged that that is beyond what she could handle as far as a parent. And... I don't think that that would be an easy decision for her. Like, I don't think giving up a child after having been with it for how long? I want to say at least a couple of years. Yeah. Because he he had been in a lot of their videos and stuff, too. I see. Yeah. So it wasn't like she didn't try and she's like, oh, my God, I didn't know. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't know he was gay or whatever. Like, I need to give him up. Rather, it's like, let's see if we can make this work. Mm -hmm. And developmentally speaking, maybe he got to a certain part where she's like, okay, wow, this doesn't work. Right. But I'm like... Yeah, if it's not working within your home, I don't blame her. Right. I almost respect her more for doing that, to be honest. I agree. One th- Just like a, uh, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people who shouldn't be having kids. Mm-hmm. And 
when they do, the kid turns out in a worse situation right. because they don't have the means to take care of it. And at least she's like acknowledging that. Yeah. I do understand the backlash between that. Cause like, I'm not a parent and I never plan on being a parent, but I can see parents being like, I would never give up my child. Yeah. But then again, like not everyone has the same standard of love. Mm-hmm. Not to say she doesn't love this child, this child, but I think everyone's situation is different. And for her, I think it's fair for her to say, no, it's not working. I can see one of the arguments being that she probably wouldn't get up, give up one of her four biological kids. If it turned out they had the same needs that sure. he did. I think it was sort of like you did all this work and went through all this effort to take in this you kid. Know what? And that's now actually you're like very, giving him up. That's a good point actually. Uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I wonder if she would give up her biological kid and I don't foresee her doing that. I, I and agree. I feel like that would be a little bit more fucked up. PS we're saying all of this based on not knowing anything about her. It's yeah. more of like a, it's a human yeah, like I maybe she is an awful person. Who knows? <laughs> maybe she did need to get all these like endorsements snatched. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, when you put it that way, actually, it is kind of like more unsettling. Her lawyers came out in defense of her and her husband and was like, this has been an ongoing decision that they've made and have made very carefully. Yeah. So the so then like devil's advocate on her side in their statement, again, they they sort of made it aware that they were not notified of all of his underlying conditions so aside from autism they didn't speak at least in anything that i saw specifically on what that meant but there could have been other ailments to like his health or something like that it was almost like not getting what you not getting a service you paid for totally you know i mean it's a human so that's different but you are paying a service like there's an adoption agency that they were working with so i feel like all of those details should be provided if they knew that um and on top of that like especially things like that like uh, being a parent to an autistic child is challenging enough but whatever those extra accoutrement that was <laughs> yeah. added onto that like medically uh-huh. you know those bills and stuff over time will rack up, rack up and yeah. i think again like it's easy for you to say it when you're not in the situation mm-hmm um but i guess it's easy for me to say it not in the situation that i think it's fine <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i don't like kids but the thing is is like i even think about the same thing and i don't mean to like take a human's life and compare it to a dog but i see adoption in that realm more plausible that if i wanted a dog which i had one and i gave away so that's why i'm like i don't <laughs> care I about that. like i don't care i don't have attachment to things oh at all like i can get rid of everything <laughs> in my life yeah including I'll stop there. I can oh. get, I can get rid of a lot of things in my life and like not bat an eye. So maybe I'm psych- psychopath. Um, where was I going? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry. You guys, I'm telling you, I'm so tired. Shane was like, let's record. And I was like, what are we recording? <laughs> As if I forgot we have a podcast. Um, if the dog wasn't working within your home, they give it away. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, someone can argue, like, how could you give a dog away? Mm-hmm. You just need to be patient and work with it, and you're taking on that responsibility. But, again, if it doesn't fit within your realm of, like, I can take care of this dog, I think it's yeah. fair to give it away. Just like for me, being a flight attendant and having a dog, it was not yeah. fair for the dog. So I was like, I need to give it up. And I was with the dog from birth, so mm-hmm. it's like a biological child. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't blame her at all. Yeah, again, I, I support, here's the thing. Like I, again, I understand the argument. Like she probably wouldn't have done it with one of her own biological yeah. kids. Fair argument. But at the end of the day, if she's replacing this kid in a new home 
where he's going to be better taken care of. If his best interests are at heart, like I support her. Right. And the other interesting factor in all of this that um, is sort of also playing into a lot of what we've been talking about with race and, and sort of like cancel culture uh-huh. right now is the idea that all of these brands were so quick to separate with her. Yeah. And I feel like people don't really have a defense anymore. It's sort of like when you're seen in the public eyes fucking up, you lose everything. Yeah. And it sucks because just say hypothetically Kate Hudson was like, hey, I get it. Publicly, she cannot say that. Yeah. For the sake of her brand. Yeah. Like Kate Hudson herself as an actress will be fine. But like in terms of Fabletics, if people see... I just feel like there are so many groups that would hop on and be like, cancel Fabletics, nobody yeah. buy it, boycott. And that's that's so shitty to me. Well, why is that shitty? Because I feel like you do the same thing with, like, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, well, Chick-fil-A sucks. See? So you can't get mad. Like, you feel like it's shitty because you're not tied emotionally to this cause. But the causes that you're tied emotionally to, you stand up for and you're like, I'm never going here, never going there. Chick-fil-A would be fine without you. Kate Hudson would be fine without them. Do you know what I'm saying? But this girl is not fine. Is the, is I know, I know. Saying. Like, you're not fine. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, true. <laughs> I'm renting. <laughs> but, like, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I get that. People, I guess yes. the bigger idea is, like, corporations are always okay, but, like, these people who were benefiting from making a living through this, it's like there is no excuses it's just like we have to cut ties whether we agree with you or not but to me like with this lady if you're going to talk about branding it probably was her brand to have like home life right yeah i think it's a lot of like parenting vlogs that's like that's like a storyline to me like i agree but i mean i think we're different because one we're men so our attachment to kids is different and we're gay men, so we really have no reason to worry about pregnancy <laughs> yeah. or a kid that will pop up we in our lives. We push those kids out every time someone puts them in us. Yep. We yeah. push it. We just fart, come fart queen. <laughs> them kids fly right out. Abort. Uh, ew. <laughs> I mean, that's why we got bidets. 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 <laughs> just squirt, squirt. We are getting so off topic. <laughs> I'm so tired. Long story short. All right. Get rid of the kids. All of them. All of them. All, yeah. All the kids. All of the kids. <laughs> All right, guys. So this week we have a special guest. I'm going to let Shane kind of lead this one because he's the one that's finding out. He was the casting director on this week's mm. episode. <laughs> Welcome to my casting couch. Yeah, that sounds so gross. <laughs> like a porno. Yeah. Um, thank God this couch is way better than one of those like generic leather pump-filled ones. Leather, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, this week's guest was actually introduced to me just recently. Like we've only chatted once before this interview, but um, we were introduced on the premise that we would be able to help one another out um, professionally speaking. And I just met this guest all of five seconds ago, but I'm excited to hear what we got to get into. So yeah. that's good. Um, so should we introduce him? Yes, please. Great. Go ahead. Um, so on behalf of my friend Adam uh, Curtis, I am pleased to introduce our, t- our guest for today, David. David, do you want to say hey? Hi. 
Hi, guys. So, David, do you want to tell the guests where you are? So currently I am joining you via the medium of the internet from Dublin in Ireland. Dublin. Um, I normally live in London, but since our our delightful virus that is sweeping the world, I've I've resided back in my my hometown, my my mother planet of Ireland. So I've been here. I'm here. Are you are you with family in Dublin? Yeah, I'm in my parents' house. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. How has the virus like or the pandemic affected you guys over there because i know it hit italy pretty hard um we feel i certainly feel uh having not looked into it too much because i i think you can only look at bad news for so long before it starts to affect you but um i feel like they've handled it really well they they shut it down we've got a real sense of community here um we live in a like a small housing estate and it's it's actually been you know really really nice having the community come together um as far as numbers and and diagnosis, we're still, I think, be- we're definitely below 200 deaths in the island of Ireland. That's so good. So I think in the grand scheme of numbers across the world, I think that's a good yeah. number. I mean, compared to here in America, we're a, we're a big shithole in multiple ways than one. <laughs> the we, pandemic being one of them. Yeah, but I think you could you could fit Ireland in, you could fit us into your little pocket in New York. <laughs> True. State, so. But we just, um, we just surpassed 100,000 over here in America. America. So it's shitty to be like, oh, that's great that you've barely hit 200 because we're still talking about deaths at the end of the day. But in comparison, it's great that you guys were able to sort of lock down and, and get that together before it imploded. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So just really quickly to backtrack, I had mentioned our friend Adam Curtis. That's how I met you. Um, Adam and I did a cruise ship together uh, four years ago. Um And he reached out to me recently and was like, hey, I have this friend, he does such and such, and I think he'd be really great on your podcast. So um, without getting too much into depth, because we'll get into that later, but do you want to just briefly mention what it is that you're working on right now? Uh, Recently, I started my own coaching business. Um, that's tailored towards men, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, discriminate against women. I have plenty of female clients. But the reason why I targeted it towards men is because I feel like it's a demographic that's left out or needs a little bit more attention or just needs to be targeted in a way that they make it makes it feel a little bit more appealing to reach out and ask for help, especially when mental health is concerned. So I am a life coach for men and of course women, but my business is called Coaching the Man. Cool. Coaching the man. Um, and again, we'll we'll jump more headfirst into that a little later in the conversation. I just wanted to briefly like let people know what it is that you do. Yeah. Um, so we talked about um, sort of how this pandemic or coronavirus has affected you over in Europe. Um, and I guess I now also have to say and the UK because they're separate. They're a separate entity, right? Well, they're, they're, technically they're still in Europe. They're just not in the European okay. Union. Sorry. So right, right, they right, haven't right. moved the country <laughs> out of Europe. <laughs> He's well, like, you fucking stupid American. They, <laughs> based on my resources, they have I didn't say like, that. uplifted it and moved it. <laughs> they got this, a, they this got is a, why America is in a shithole. <laughs> right, 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 right. They got a so lot of heavy really well. people to row that country down south. Uh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I wanted to get into was um, I saw in a news article yesterday 
and this is sort of like switching to a little bit heavier of a conversation, but um, over here in America, you and I have briefly discussed how the Black Lives Matter movement is really um, weighing a heavy burden on this country. Mm. Um, and I say that with all due respect to the to the movement itself, but I, I read in a news article yesterday that the the movement has literally expanded globally um, and they've seen protests in Dublin, in Galway, London, uh, Germany, uh, I think in Berlin, um, mm, Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you experienced any of those protests? Do you know anybody going? How has that sort of impacted your day-to-day life? Um, the the whole situation that has spanned from um, the killing of George Floyd, it was horrendous. It was definitely something that hit the screens of social networking straight away. Like it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't, I don't even think it was a matter of hours before something like that. And I think if you follow enough people who are actively out there campaigning for Black Lives Matter since all of the other previous unfortunate situations that have happened, then you will not be, it won't take very long for it to to reach your shores. I personally have always i i don't know how to deal with it i have a lot of black black friends i i've talked about it with them a few times but definitely from a point of what i feel might be a little bit of white ignorance sometime so mm-hmm. um when it comes and to the point of protesting protesting scares me i i feel like i like the idea and the motivation the motives behind it but when it it becomes very hostile it's not somewhere where i would ever put myself um sure. and and i don't know why that is and i and i it's interesting because i had to really question myself the other day when i was trying to not look at the negatives and the 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 bad news in yeah. a similar way to what i would just be ignoring daily figures with a with a virus i was trying right. just to just to go i can't I don't know how to process that. Um, but mm-hmm. then I actually was like, no, because actually ignoring it and looking away makes you almost part of the problem. Um, totally. And I, I, I think everybody's opinion on how much of the problem you are by looking away differs. Um, I would not say that I was being ignorant or pro what was going on. Um, it's, a, it's a tough conversation to, to have when you come from, when you're sitting in the white chair. If, if that makes sense. Right. I completely back anybody going out and peacefully protesting. But th- I also understand why people have to scream and shout because right. even down to LGBT back in the day, there wasn't, we, we didn't get to where we are today having a month of pride because people totally. peacefully protest. So um, I understand protesters you know in ireland and in the uk and in germany and new zealand have all sort of really stepped up and into the streets and and caused a commotion to help us out in a time when i feel like we're turning our backs on a lot of the world and when i say we i mean this administration and this president um so i just sort of wanted to pick your brain a little bit but you know brian and i had that similar conversation to what you just said yesterday where I've been talking about like how exhausting it is to be online and to be reading negative comment after negative comment. Um, But it would be ignorant of me for 
to turn it off and and turn a blind eye because I can do that, you know, and it's more so on my responsibility right now to speak out and continue to watch and say what I can where I can um, because that's my responsibility and all. I think it's difficult as well because you will always there will always be a viewpoint that by doing what you're doing, you're just you're not actually helping because there's the blackout the the Tuesday the blackout Tuesday um I've said have I said that the right way around yes. uh, um blackout yeah, Tuesday so there was there was like everybody's got, like just putting black up on the thing and using blackout Tuesday and and I and then instantly there was a problem with that because people were like okay there's no point in putting it up yes. unless you're actually going to do something about why you're putting it up so I was like mm-hmm. okay so what what do right. I do you know it's confusing know. it's a lot of back and forth it's, yeah. It's almost like when um, like a shooting goes on or anything like that and people just say, oh, thoughts and prayers. You know, it's like I need to acknowledge the problem, but does it really solve anything? Who's to say? And it's like that that weird line of like how much should you be doing and how much yeah. is enough? And yeah, it's like, you know, that conversation does come up when people do like these social media movements where you're like, are you doing it for like an actual reason or is it just to show that you're part of you know, the solution by saying like, I'm voicing my opinion yet, nothing beyond that actually changes yeah, right. anything. Yeah, the purpose is to continue to do work while you black out your social media. You're supposed to be donating and educating yourself and having in, in-person in conversations about what's happening. But then if you don't black out your social media... Uh, exactly. It, it's, yeah, you're like, are you saying, oh, you don't support the cause, but it's like, it's, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I have, my friend is... Uh, she's Irish and she lives in New York and um, she's finding the whole thing quite overwhelming at the moment. Mm. Um, just because I think what's happening over there is, is, is very extreme. I, I don't want to say that it would never happen over here, but the chances of what happened to George Floyd happening here with a, a, like somebody authoritative are so slim. And I think you guys know that from a point of view yeah. that mm-hmm. America and the the police system is the only place in the world where it's dealt with like that. Um, right. So for us, it's so alien that that is even a thing. Not race, but not racism, but the fact that a member of somebody who drives around in a vehicle that says protect and serve does that to a innocent until proven guilty person. Um, right. So that's that's the most shocking that's the bit that like raises the hairs on the back of my neck because I know people in the police force in Ireland and I know people in the police force in the UK, some of them who have been, um, you might say privileged, but I don't know if they would phrase it as being privileged to have like been armed and work for the armed police. Um, there's a duty that comes with holding something that powerful in your hands. And when you pull the trigger and you point it towards somebody, you better have all the answers as to why you did that when people come knocking, which they will. Whereas it seems very, I don't know, almost ancient times over there where you just trigger happy sometimes and and i yeah it's like react first and explain later yeah and it's okay yeah. and then and, and it's almost yeah it's it's that's okay and you can you can get off on the idea that oh um i was under threat right and that's i think that's the danger of what american um kind of rhetoric is happening right now is that 
people in power can kind of get the off by saying, oh, well, X, Y, and Z explanation is why it happened rather than actually holding, like you said, them accountable before even getting into that position, right. you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I think what I saw, it only takes like six months for someone to get into the police academy with just like a GED. And then for someone to go into like cosmetology school, you need like two years of training, uh, you know, board certification. You have yeah. to recertify every year. And like the juxtaposition of that makes no sense because, you know, you have to jump through all these hoops for something that seems so minor yet something so radical like carrying a gun. It's like you can buy it at Walmart. Well, and the bigger conversation, too, is our country was systemically built off of the idea of racism and slavery. Um, and that has intertwined itself within the DNA of how our country has moved forward and progressed. Um, so I feel like people are innately um more more rooted in in the idea of like i'm better than right mm. whether you're talking about race sexuality religion there's always this like one up that we sort of have the mentality of in this country or so it feels mm-hmm. um we've seen it a lot in this country as well with uh economic class and status you know it's like there's more benefits the for lack of better words the higher you are in the ranking um those things exist worldwide though i mean class and and that kind of thing does does exist everywhere right yeah yeah um so to kind of keep within the same realm of conversation you had mentioned um the the fight for lgbtq plus rights um do you want to are you comfortable talking about like how you sexually identify yeah um and and sort of how you've been on your own journey of like finding comfort in your own skin yeah i'm I'm comfortable i mean when you talk about lgbtq plus that's that's a, it's kind of like another beast because i i identify quite happily now as a gay man i don't claim to completely understand every color of the lgbt flag or every letter or indeed the the side of it which deals with gender um i am still learning all of those things so it's it's almost this growing community i think uh recently they started incorporating them both together um which i think is great because if they're starting to be a part i just sometimes it confuses me when they add more letters right. um because <laughs> but that does i'm not saying that's wrong i just it confuses right. me um but yeah, I, I I fully identify as a gay man okay. and um, I was never in doubt of that. Back then, we're like, you know, knowledge and awareness and, in you know, access to the internet was there, but it was limited. Um, communities were very small. Um, there was, of course, then you've got the the... The Irish side of it, which is the you know, very strong Catholic beliefs, which we were never from a hugely strict Catholic household. We didn't go to church like strictly on Sundays. So uh, my coming out story is kind of almost like I was saying to you, Shane, the other day when we were chatting that almost it felt like as from my knowledge of what it was to be gay pre coming out, I almost had to go to a desk and exchange my masculinity for my my homosexuality and that's that was the confusing part now over the years obviously I've realized that that's completely not true and I have reclaimed my masculinity in those years but there was a period of time where I felt like that's what I had to surrender um 
And it's interesting that only in the recent in in the recent past, I've managed to figure out how I can put that into language, how I can how I can explain that and communicate that feeling that I had, because it almost was it it was it was thought that as soon as you decided that you were gay, you were suddenly going to, you know, burst out of the closet with you know glitter bright colors and and, and music yeah. and i mean i wish it was like that on, <laughs> on reflection that would have been like a coming out party sounds so much more exciting than a 21st <laughs> birthday um but it's it you know it, it was one of those things where it there just wasn't as many it, almost a naivety within the circle of people i was with and i didn't have a wide group of friends um and I certainly didn't know anybody on a personal level who was gay. Okay. Um, and I mean, now 18 is almost late because you look at kids who are like yeah. 14, 15 and they're, they're so, they know, you yeah, know, it's and, so and it's just like, it's, and it's, it's based on just knowing and seeing, and you can turn on your phone and you literally within 10 minutes of searching any sort of social networking site or anything across the internet you can find somebody exactly like you right and i think that's like begs to say like why representation matters obviously not necessarily in like film or tv but even in a small area of like social media because like you said like back in 2006 when we were like coming to terms with our sexuality you didn't have access to all of that except for your immediate reality around you. And so that's why for sure, like I would imagine as you explain it, it's like a scary thing to come out. Cause you do feel like from the, the, you know, the messages you get, it's like either you're masculine or you're gay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and now because like you, like you said, have, have all this access on your phone, you get a sense of community that is outside of your community with inside of your own community internally. And I think that's so positive for the youth and it, it is crazy how quickly that can change but in such a positive way i i was in a school recently um i say recently uh, pre-covid probably january february time and i was it's it's kind of a it's it's a this is a uh, an amalgamation of of what it's it's kind of almost like race and um sexuality combined because i was tasked with going in to mentor these 15 young 14 15 year olds um now 15 14 15 year olds who have been assigned to you as a mentor um are probably who are also disruptive <laughs> is a challenge uh-huh. and then you add the di- the demographic that 80% of them were um were black and of different backgrounds as well, you know, they weren't, there was night, they're from Nigeria, from like all sorts of different areas and different backgrounds and different um, uh, upbringings. Yeah. And you could tell that from the when they were in, introducing themselves from their names and, and you kind of, I, I work with this company who, which is run by a black guy. So I'm comfortable asking, oh, whereabouts are you from? Um, that comes with time. But anyway, I, I digress. I was day one tasked with just speaking to these disruptive 14, 15 year olds at the best of times, difficult to talk to. And I was just in, I was just immediately thrust into them talking to themselves using all the language that they would use at their age. But I instantly felt, oh, I'm, I'm definitely the outsider here. Like, I don't know if they will allow themselves to listen to me and how I communicate with them because of my race. 
And I was very, very intrigued at my thought process behind that because I was like, I don't feel inferior or um, better than or any of those things. I just feel aware that I am the white guy talking to the black kids and I probably can't even relate to them. And that was my dilemma. Um, They were using words like, you know, I don't even want to say it, but you know, the word that we love F the F word for that. Um, And, you know, queer and and they were just flippantly throwing them across the room. Um, And then they do all the sorts of hand body gestures to kind of, call out another member of their class and you I was kind of thinking are they doing that for me are they doing it because they do that all the time but it was a very it was almost like a a a very strange environment to find yourself in to try and turn them around and get them to listen to you when you were probably don't even know the half of what their background is what they have to deal with on a daily basis and how they even arrived in the UK because not all of them would have been born in the uk Mm -hmm. i mean i appreciate you sharing that story because as you say that i feel like taking upon my own life experience i feel like that's how it feels to be a black person in pretty much like a any kind of like majority setting you know how you said you walk in and you're like wow i don't speak their language i'm kind of ousted for being different without actually being like you know they're not telling you you're different you're not like us but the way they act naturally makes you internally feel that way. And I would imagine like you, I feel like um, it's a very exhausting and very like internal, you know, time to be a part of that situation that I think this is what like people of minorities feel like a lot of the times just going about their daily life. You know what I mean? Because just like you, like people, them using their normal language, you're like, wait, are they implying that towards me? Is this like a microaggression? And that is like, minorities you know what I mean like that's the minority struggle where you're like well damn and and at a certain point you're like when people don't validate your experience by saying no you're just making that up that wasn't what we meant but then at a certain point you're like well no it is because it's kind of embedded into where that language comes from by saying something's gay or Mm. you know that's ghetto and then it's like hard to kind of discern if it actually is offensive or not and yeah I, I would imagine not I imagine but I live that experience and know that struggle and it's just interesting to share that because I feel like you don't have opportunities to learn from that when you're part of the minority that. Yeah. And that that was what I said to my mentor as I left. I was like, I'm exhausted mentally after that hour. But I learned so much about myself in that environment. Like if anything, I've grown in situations because I've just been allowed to experience that. I mean, I had to go back three more times before I was like, I can't communicate with the these kids like right purely based on the fact that they are generally they were generally being like they were there because they were disruptive. So because I hadn't managed right. to win them over in the first three mentor sessions, I was like, I don't think that I can impact these kids. I think you need to send somebody else in. But they sent somebody with me who was black and he was a very experienced person with this kind of demographic, i.e. the backgrounds and the tr- disruptive um, he had a very good story as well of his own experience, yeah. which was completely removed from mine. But it was just really mm-hmm. great for him to actually go, no, you are completely right in how you feel. They are doing what they shouldn't do. And they are actually genuinely singling you out and being dis- um, disrespectful. Um, 
and he saw one of the better classes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there was just this really strange experience. But I think that would be my only way of experiencing like a potential race situation. But I felt on the receiving like end, I was on the back foot because, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but for being gay. Right. and white and but i don't even think the white thing was a problem i was probably just very aware because they were using language about right. my sexuality well, and i think that that self um conversation that you had in internally is a reflection of the work that you've done as a gay man and i think as white gay men it's sort of our only relationship to understanding what any other minority feels well, like I mean, let me pause there. I don't think it's just the gay thing. I think that that just creates a compassion that you probably have from that experience. Maybe that's a better word choice. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think it's a, because you're gay, you can have this world-renowned feeling. I just think that people fail to like look internally and not make excuses for the situation, Mm. but more so like you just be like, well, what's going on? Let me figure this out. It feels a little bit off, but I'm willing to do the work to make it better. Yeah. Like there was so many more layers to the situation. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the problem with the majority of situations where you've got people from a white background and then you've got race and racism. There's, there's, there's not just a, it's, it's not just a, racist or anti-racist situation it's it's so much deeper and and more it's it's like an onion you know like there's everybody brings their own self to that situation and it's not as easy for everybody to deal or see it as easily as many of us will and not everybody has the self-awareness that they should do about themselves and how they carry themselves in public or in private situations um but I think we should move on from the race thing (laughs) because that's not really why we brought you on. So let's get into what we actually want to talk to you about. (laughs) Great. So um, let's segue into getting back into your career and sort of what you're focused on right now. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned Coaching the Man, which is the business that you started how long ago? Uh, Officially in February, but I started coaching about three or four years ago. Yeah. Okay. And what, what initially launched you into that profession into that um path um i was kind of propelled towards the mental health aspect um and helping other people through my own experience of anxiety i had a really long period of time again it's so strange because it almost takes the same path as as like coming out of the closet because i just hadn't got the awareness or the words to attach to how i was feeling um and i remember reading a book one day which was just broke down everything into very easy language um i don't even know how i ended up with this book in my hand but i did and i remember reading what was the book that you mentioned um it was called i think it was self coaching or something um no cognitive behavior coaching um okay so okay. It, it it talked about anxiety depression um ocd all of these these other things about cognitive behavior um and i remember reading the section on anxiety and just having light bulbs go off in my head so that that kind of opened my eyes and and i was instantly I instantly became and developed a self-awareness of what I was doing, coached myself through it um, figured out a way that I could help other people. Because as soon as I started to use the language of anxiety around my close circle and in my family, people began to accept it 
And then I explained on a deeper level that actually I suffer from this and I don't expect you to understand, but this is why sometimes I feel like this. Um, and people were so surprised and, and so supportive and then began to gra gravitate towards me for support. And I had a situation where a cousin of mine had um, a breakdown in a marriage. Another friend of mine had was dealing with some grief um, and it was a, it became something that they were just checking in with me and I was helping them. And that's kind of where it started. And then for my birthday on my 30th, I made a list of things I wanted to achieve in 10 years, i.e. a 10 year plan. Um, and I wanted to be a life coach. Um, do you want to speak on, on that at all? Well, it's just, I feel like you're sort of, it's all very ironic. I think I was ironic. telling you, Brian's getting into a lot of, well, I'll let him speak. I mean, it's funny because um, I don't want to be inappropriate, but the way you carry yourself and like the way your mind, you you articulate your speech in your mind is very attractive. So I just want to say that. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't come off as like sexual harassment. But um, it's funny because um, I feel like the just speaking to you, our minds are very similar um, because my dad is actually a life coach as well. Right. And he has his own business, but... Um, I'm kind of going down the similar path because I feel like the same thing where my journey has not been easy. And I feel like the way I reach out for help for to other friends, the way I express myself, they seem to be able to feel comfortable enough to like help me help them. And mm -hmm. it's very like what you said, where it's like um, you're always probably the voice of reason t for your social circle. And um, I, I, yeah, it's just kind of ironic that you speak of a similar yeah, a similar life experience. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. It's 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 interesting because Shane, you said it the other day when we were talking, you 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 did mention about how I speak about it. And it was it was it was funny because every time I spoke about and have spoken about coaching and the business, it's always been from a point of I don't know what I'm doing. But when somebody right. a stranger that you just explain who you are, what you do and your idea behind what you want to achieve in life and the legacy you want to leave behind or the stamp you want to put on the world and for somebody to receive that in such a way it's it's really nice so i appreciated what you said the other day really stuck with me and, and what you've just said as well um yeah thank you for that yeah no worries um just going back to what we're talking about um you said that you specialize more in men um for your work and your life coaching mm. can you explain why you feel like that is more your lane so um i am extremely passionate and i have personal experience in my life with uh, male suicide I am very affected by it, so I feel drawn to it. Um, and if I can target an audience where I can help, help at least try and reduce that number by one, then I feel like my life's purpose will be complete. So I know that women are still affected by it, but I know that there are resources out there and a lot more acceptable ways for women to accept their, um, their, their mental well-being and there's a lot more acceptable ways for them to step into it whereas the the male world um and certainly the male world of our age group who get to a point in their life where maybe they haven't really been doing what they wanted to do for their 20s they're now stepping into their 30s and then there's that social what is acceptable for you to be in a particular time in your life? Like whether, you know, for straight guys, it's normally house, baby, marriage, really good 
job with right. good pension and and all of that because that's the the I'm the man supporting the wife kind of um draconian approach and there's nothing wrong with that but the, the what is wrong with it is when people get to that point and they haven't got those boxes ticked um i used quotes there i don't know why because we're recording this for voice only um <laughs> we do the same thing so I, it's hard. air quotes um but like when they get to that point and they they realize oh five out of six of my social group have achieved all of that and i'm single um, I'm still studying. I'm in a job that I don't like and blah, blah. And then right. the wheels begin to fall off the, the cart, to use a phrase. Um, but my mission is to create a environment very similar to the way that men are comfortable walking into a weighted, like, physical gym. Um, give right. them an, a, an arena that they feel comfortable enough walking into for their mind so almost like a mind gym but almost provide so many different ways in which you can feel comfortable in that environment um and a lot of my mission is just about trying to create self-awareness so a lot of how i approach it is when you have a male client it's like okay let's let's check in where are we at right now let's not worry about where we've been or where we're going but let's let's first of all check in with what we've got right now because until we know where we are we can't go anywhere um much like google maps you don't you can't take you anywhere if it doesn't know where you are um so yeah, yeah so the, the i've i've digressed but my reason for that is male mental health needs more attention um i feel because of my own experience and my age that i can actually appeal to so many more men in in that situation than i can for women um so yeah that, that i just felt drawn to it and they say when you start out life coaching that you will eventually find your niche and originally i thought it was youth but i i mean i don't even think i i liked young kids that much to help them when I was one so you know as much as I <laughs> I work for a company we are literally the same people honestly I feel the same way about kids I'm like I mean I get the appeal but like not for me yeah like I mean I go into schools and we do motivational speaking and and I work with a company and they say no you're very good you've got a good message and I think that appeals to anybody who's happy and c- content with sharing their message right. um but I, when it comes to connecting with adolescents I I feel like personally I don't connect uh, but when it's connecting with 25 upwards, um, I, I feel like I can connect because they they want they want it. And you and I briefly discussed, I think it's like such a great thing that you do target men because uh, I feel like we're seeing this shift in even like uh, non-essential uh, markets being being geared towards men like men's makeup or men's like grooming products and for the first time, I feel like we're finally seeing, um, hey, men, it's okay to like take care of yourselves. Yeah. But what you're doing is more internal and I think far more important than something like grooming products. Yeah. Um, but I think that we're just in this time where men are finally seeing in mainstream culture that it's okay to take care of themselves, yeah. you know, if not necessary. Um, so I love that you're, you're gearing that towards, towards that market. I, I adore a deep, meaningful conversation. I sometimes zone out uh, on top level stuff. Um, the way I ask questions to people in a social circle is almost like you're not being intrusive, but you just want to talk real talk. And, and that's how 
I approach it. I remember a couple of years back, my brother was having a bit of trouble with his mental health and seeing the effect on my family around him. Um, he was reluctant to come to me because of he knew that I would get the answers and he wasn't ready to open up. And I was so intrigued at that mentality, that approach, that reasoning that he built in his head. He was like, I don't want to talk to you because I know you'll get the answers. And he was just happy in this state that he was currently in. But he eventually did yeah. reach out to somebody else and then in turn found the courage to speak to me about it. But I only think that came from me just constantly beating my own drum about what I've gone through because I, I'm always very, very, very aware that I don't go out of my way to create a business to help other people from a point of um, perfection. I am not perfect. And it's only the scars inside me that make me strong enough to be able to have these conversations and the, the, the demons that I've dealt with and cleared out of the way. I just want to help other people believe that they can do it too. It's almost like that Buddhist mentality where it's like you don't have the answers. You just share your experience and let them do what they will from that and make their own journey, which I yeah. think is actually way more powerful because when people when you give the tools for someone to figure out how to solve their own problems then they they realize they don't need you and they're like self-sufficient internally you know and i think that's where yeah. the beauty actually comes and lies with like fulfilling happiness um but yeah. i think i mean as you speak it makes me question like i i feel like um from the limited research i've done about masculinity but like just living as a man who seems to be more feminine in like your general term i feel like cultures that praise masculinity as like be a man be tough you know i feel like for men feelings is like such a foreign emotion in any sense of the way if yeah. it's not anger or excitement and i feel like the cultures that are more masculine always struggle with what you speak of where it's like if if and again correct me if i'm wrong but like your brother almost feels like if you if i'm found out that means i'm not i don't have the answers which is like a lack of power and in, in, in turn is a lack of his masculinity which is not true but i feel like men yeah. seem to think that way um when it comes to like emotion mm -hmm. and it's weird it's but the thing is as well is that like to try and even understand masculinity you have to understand that it is not a one-size-fits-all thing either you know it, it masculinity lives on a spectrum Right. So there's like yeah. less masculine, which I feel like Brian and I might relate to more. <laughs> and then like extremely masculine where they are more shut off because they've almost been like conditioned to think that way or live that way. But I feel like people almost see it as like you either have it or you don't, but it's not that cut and dry, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, I think across, you know, we're 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 chameleons as well. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. we are people and we're adaptive. There's 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 times when you say, oh, you think you're less masculine, but that might be when you two are together because you have similar interests. Totally. But right. that doesn't necessarily mean that if you walked into a job interview tomorrow, you're going to go in with the same approach that you have right. when you guys are together right um and I, I think there are times when i spend times with people in my social circles that i can go to the spectrum of being like you know more feminine or more masculine and and i think you just have to be again self-aware of what is acceptable for you and what you feel comfortable bringing to that party can are you able to briefly summarize 
the difference between yourself and say a therapist or a psychologist because i feel like it falls under the same umbrella right it always it all it always will um it's 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 the skilled helper essentially um okay. so your 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 therapist or your counselor or your coach they kind of again we we talk about a spectrum of, of where we're at and the way I like to to talk about it, because people have said to me, oh, would you not get into counselling? And and I'm like, well, no, because the reason why I want to be a coach is because I want to help people get to where they want to be. Whereas a counsellor will try and figure out what's wrong right now. I don't think we I don't come from the viewpoint that you're broken. So nobody's broken. It's It's all possible that we can achieve anything you want. Um, a, 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 a therapist will will lift up the bag of the past and try and figure out what it what where's the rotten apple that's destroying you being in the present counselors will figure out what's wrong with your present situation and try and figure out how they can make it better or eradicate it or whatever they need to do there that's why you have like marriage counselors or grief counselors because the problem is the problem is very much now a coach is simply taking what you've got right now in your arsenal and going okay where do you want to be? Right. Let's check in where we're at and let's take you there and let's figure out how we can do that with what you've got right now. Um, just to wrap this up and round it out, where can um, people find you if they want more information about what you do? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at coaching the man um, and I'm on Facebook as well for the same page. Um, I'm, I've got a website coaching the It's currently standing as is and um you can just email me david at coaching the uk if you want any more information um and i'm happy to have a conversation with anybody about coaching and um what it and just one last thing what advice would you give to someone who is listening to this episode and potentially is like resonating with anything you're saying as far as maybe a little bit of free advice for their life free advice um i, I would say if you if you're resonating with anything that we've discussed, then the first thing you can do is talk about it with somebody that you know and trust. If you are having problems with any of the things that you're you're feeling like, then you then need to reach out to. There are so many services that you can you can reach out to to get advice on where to go. I would always be happy to have a conversation either through like Instagram DMs or over email about helping point people in the right direction it's it's all about helping each other out there are not and like there are so many people in this world that just want to help other people but it takes the person themselves to reach out and ask my dad has a great saying that i love and i i it's on my business card which is if you never ask the question the answer will always be no i love that and i think we should end there on that note i agree All right, guys. So as you know, we always round out each episode with an in-season. So David, we're going to go first to give you some time to think about what your in-season is for this week for you. Um, But did you want to go first or did you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. My in-season this week is so freaking random. This is how bored I am um, because of quarantine. I feel like I'm so uninspired about life right now (laughs) that um, I took it upon myself to download TikTok, which is not my in-season, but through TikTok... 
I was really reluctant to download TikTok because I feel like I'm out of that demographic. I'm too old for it. And I don't know. I just don't like everything I see is always like those stupid dances. And I'm like, this is so cheesy. But the things that I signed up for, I was like, wait, I need this in my life. They have like a lot of DIY stuff and yeah. like um, like little life hacks. And I guess once you start looking at certain videos, obviously the algorithm keeps throwing videos up in your face. So then I found this one where you can make sweet potato toast, <laughs> where you take a sweet potato and then slice it up and then put like oil on both sides and put it in your toaster. And it makes like, I mean, I wouldn't say toast cause it doesn't no. make it like crispy like toast, but it like makes the slice cooked. Yeah. And, um, I had it with avocado and egg the other morning and it was like fire. It was so good. So my in season this week is uh, sweet potato toast from TikTok. <laughs> I I have to I have I have to say something in, in regards to TikTok. I have succumbed to the stupid family dances, um, so much so that we forced my dad to do that one where you just nod. So it was like a Eurovision entry, um, <laughs> one night, and he you know he he did it reluctantly, but um, yeah, that's kind of what <laughs> I've been doing. Uh, but mm. it's not my in season. But I I I have to say you've been doing you've eight. been on TikTok or you've been doing the dances. Uh, both. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> okay, so with that said, for our IGTV, we always post uh, a video. I I want you to send us one of those videos for us to put in to <laughs> our daily life. <laughs> so they're they're all uh, they're all over my personal Instagram. Okay, well we're gonna have to figure great. that out and find that out. <laughs> I, I'm gonna put that in there. <laughs> So Shane, what do you have for us this week for in season? Um, my my in season is sort of trending in topic of everything we've been discussing. So I've been like all up for, I hate to say starting fights because I don't like aggression, but starting conversation, if you will. No, they're fights, bitch. Let me tell you, David, this motherfucker. Okay, he'll come out of his room so huffy and puffy, like throwing dishes around. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I just got in a fight with Mary Beth. I'm like, who the hell is Mary Beth? <laughs> and it's just some random like Facebook user who said something racist. So I was like, ah, oh, great. Oh, well, well meanwhile, I, I'm just there. I, I'm there with the popcorn God. I'm here for the comments. <laughs> and you better believe I'm like, wait, tell me what happened. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, I, I have to use my voice right now, right? Like we kind of talked about earlier, now is not the time to turn a blind eye to what's happening. So I feel like if there's one way that I know how to respond to things, it's through my words, because for the most part, I can articulate well my thought process without um, shutting somebody down. Like I leave room for the conversation. It's not like I, I cut it off. I did cut off a conversation this past week, but it was because the person who I was having a conversation with and their followers all started jumping on me and it was a shutdown situation. There was no like learning to be had through it. Um, there was no like productivity from it. But for the most part, I've had like conducive conversations that that lead us to maybe not a resolution, but at least a thought process. And that's worth it to me, but it's fucking exhausting. <laughs> and sometimes like it is fun just to be like, painting my nails while I'm like reading somebody to filth on faith Facebook. So that's that. <laughs> the drama. <laughs> <laughs> so David, what do you have for us this week on in season? I feel like my in season is like super, super basic. Um, I've just been like one of these people that have been like doing that whole self-development thing. I've just finished like a whole month of running 5k every day. Um, 
Whoa. And how, oh, I was going to say, how far is that? It like? was. Wait, no, that's actually major, though. That is big. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did it last year. It was like David's 5K May, and I kind of encourage other people to do it. And it's really cool. Like, there's so many people that have never even walked 5K a day, and they did it. So that, that, I'm kind of in the the reflective period of, of all of that. And people are still coming to the surface going, I followed it all the way through the month. I didn't want to tell you I was doing it until I knew Aww. I completed it. And then you've got people who tell you every day. Um, <laughs> but whilst I was doing it, I, I, like, I ordered a new pair of trainers because I thought I'm running every day. And then I posted about my new pair of trainers. And then somebody saw that I posted about them and said, we want to <gasps> send you a pair. So they use their resources to get me a pair of brand new adidas running trainers and i was like i feel like my in season is like i'm now like an influencer or something (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely a gift from the universe we're jealous though because we've been trying to get a sponsor for almost two years so good on you for being able to do it just through running (laughs) my in season was running and i didn't get it free how do i thank these people without looking like you know gifted you know but anyway I embrace right. it. <laughs> You're going to have to start putting hashtag sponsored on all your posts. <laughs> hashtag ad. <laughs> hashtag ad. Welcome back to my channel. Exactly. <laughs> How funny. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> well, you guys, that pretty much wraps up this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode or any previous episode you've heard on Fruit Snacks Pod, the best gift you can give us is to share, like, subscribe, download, rate, all of the above. If you want to reach out to us with any questions, you can reach us on Instagram at Fruit Snacks Pod. And you can also email us at Fruit Snacks Pod at gmail.com. And then, David, did you want to go ahead and... um. Just plug one more yeah, time. Yeah, plug one more time all your social media and if they want to reach out where they can get to you. Yeah, so you can email me at david at coachingtheman.co.uk or I'm on Instagram at coachingtheman. Coaching cool. the man. Love it. I did pop into your Instagram and you do have quite a lot of uh, good information there. Yeah. So I recommend everyone go check his Instagram out. Absolutely. Thank you. And if you want to take part in the um, the hashtag Be Mankind movement, which is very, very easy to do, I'll send you an image of hashtag Be Mankind. You explain what be, being Be Mankind is to you. Um, and you just get somebody to take a really clever picture of you holding the image towards the camera. And then I just share it on my page with, you know, your idea of what that means. And I think at the moment with everything that's going on, I've, I've not shoved it down people's throats as such. Um, not that I would ever do that, but like, you know, I haven't promoted it so much because I think some movements and some hashtags just, you just need to step back and let them happen. But, um, you guys are totally welcome. In fact, I insist you do it. (laughs) Yeah, we'd love to. We actually use a weekly photo to, to, um, promote each podcast episode. So we should actually take a photo with you holding it on like a screenshot and use that for our episode, but we'll submit one of us to you. Yeah. For you to post. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Love that. Well, as always, thank you so, so, so much, David. Honestly, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. It definitely is something that I needed to hear. I had great fun. Thank you. Anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap up? No, you look after yourself and have a good day. (laughs) Thanks. Well, (laughs) welcome to the Snack Pack. And always, thank you guys for listening. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. So this week on Fruit Facts, we just have two little things to fact check, more just to cite. Um, David did mention two books that he thought were really empower or empowering into his life. So I just wanted to kind of um, 
give those books one more time um, if you're interested in finding those. One of them is called Life Coaching, A Cognitive Behavioral Approach by Michael Neenan and Wendy Dryden. And then the second one that he mentioned was called Surrounded by Idiots, The Four Types of Human Behavior and How to Effectively Communicate with Each and Business and Life. And that one was written by Thomas Erickson. So if you are interested in anything we talked about, those two books are good resources, according to David. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week on Fruit Snacks. Take care.